Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, that hot rod farmer from New Jersey. And I just had a crazy thing happen. Well, it happened last week, and then I thought I got rid of it, and it happened again today. And inconclusive, I'm inventing a science to figure out what's going on here. But, uh, well, first of all, I want to thank you so much for listening and for tuning in and getting together with me here today on this show. And hopefully, God willing, everything is going well with you. Uh, I use all road equipment, which is uh, very, very good equipment. I'm not bragging. I mean, it's not the Mickey Mouse. And I mean, it's not something that you would probably use for an opera singer. But it's as far as what I'm doing, which is radio style broadcasting, it's very, it's, it, like I said, it's good stuff. And uh, I use when I'm at my office in the farmhouse, I use a boom arm, which one, which uh, Molly, who is sleeping, I shouldn't say her name, loves to climb it and then have the microphone come crashing down into the desk. Well, that's an aside. But anyway, and I use a, Mo- a Rode NT1 microphone, and uh, so, and I use a what's called a shock mount. So the, the microphone is actually encompassed in this cage with and well for all intents and purposes it has rubber bands but they're not really rubber bands so if i was to hit the microphone like this like i'm doing here right now i mean maybe hear the tapping of my finger but i'm I'm moving it up and down and it 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 insulates it like a shock absorber on a vehicle so it doesn't get that noise so anyway so i very rarely touch the microphone itself the body of the microphone other than when i'm attaching it so last week and uh, there's a method to my madness with this. Last week, there was a, um, I was doing a radio show on Sirius XM, and I had this buzzing. It was going nuts. I never had this buzzing before, so I'm disconnecting all the cables, putting them back in. I'm looking at them. I said, geez, you know, it was this cable. Is it, is it a, it's a shielded cable. I said, is the, I'm very careful with them, whatever. So, uh, and then all of a sudden, it went away. So I thought nothing of it. Well, I shouldn't say I thought nothing of it because I did think something of it, but I had to put my focus on the radio show. And then I didn't, I didn't record up until today. And I said, let me touch the microphone again. And I thought, and bzzz, the same buzzing, only when I touched the body of the microphone. So I said, well, let me go unplug my, I guess it's called a router, my wireless router from the uh, for the internet maybe because I know it's got a lot of EMI coming through the house that's why I unplug it at night for the cats because uh, I have that meter to read it and uh, I unplugged it nothing's still buzzing well over my desk I have a fluorescent lamp a fluorescent light I shouldn't say and uh, so I said geez maybe it's the fluorescent light but it's only when I touch the microphone but last week when I was doing the radio show it wasn't when I was touching the microphone because I don't touch the microphone when I'm recording and so I touched take my finger on take a boost stop so I said let me shut off the fluorescent light so I shut off the fluorescent light and uh, the noise went away they said that's crazy I said I've been doing this for five years here the light's been here for five years now i do have a <clears throat> there's four lights in there this is going to sound like real mickey mouse but uh <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> but there are two bulbs burned out so what i did is i shut the light off and the noise went away i put the light back on and the noise is not there and i see the two bulbs are brighter 
I'm looking up at them right now. They're brighter. So what I'm, you know, inventing a science, either I think that those uh, those other bulbs are starting to go, there's no flickering in them, and uh, and or the starter or something with the ballast in there, I would tend to think it's the bulbs. So I'm going to have to put four new bulbs in there. Why I didn't replace the other two? Because I have more than sufficient light here. Actually, I don't mind having two of them out because it's too bright, but uh, I'm actually closing my eyes right now. But I'll have to get up there in the ladder and change them. So uh, it's just awkward because the desk is here and I don't want to stand on a desk because I'm too fat. My wife says I'm going to break the desk. <laughs> and so and then you get, it's awkward getting up there with a ladder. And you would tend to think after all of these years that they would have invented a fluorescent, two-pin fluorescent bulb that was easier to install than they have. I don't know what that is now clicking. But anyway, so that basically is that. Uh, the other thing I wanted to tell you is that, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe I should kill this mic and clear my throat. Dead air. Okay, I'm back. Sorry about that. Uh, that the Fiesta is 100% fine. As I said to you last week, I put the, uh, the APP, Accelerated Pedal Position Sensor, in it. And um, it, it, it's 100% fine. I've driven it, I don't know, six, 700 miles since then, possibly, and... Uh, everything is fine thank god all right and uh but i said to myself well you know i'm going to take this thing apart because i asked some friends of mine they said yeah what does it look like inside and i basically was a hundred percent wrong so the show should be wrong again right just like it was a couple of weeks ago i was a hundred percent wrong because i was always taught now keep in mind i didn't teach drive by wire but when i worked for axel digital fuel injection and when i worked with bmw we had drive by wire so i was not ignorant to how i was how it was explained to me that it works and it still does work that way with zero to five volts and then five to zero in two places so you have four four checksums to say okay everything is uh, as we say in new jersey in new york kosher right no disrespect to anybody who is who eats kosher food and uh but i took it apart and i said to myself i don't care if i break it because i want i want to see what it looks like so i was under the assumption for 20 years that there were two and i'm going to say like tps is a tps on a th on a carburetor or a throttle body is a potentiometer has three wires and on a potentiometer you have what they call v ref voltage reference which in this case would be five volts you have this that the output of the signal which is called the signal return line because it's returning to the ecu all right at the vote the five volts is coming from the ecu and the return the, the v ref is coming from the ecu and, and the, the, the signal output the signal return line is going in and it has a ground so a basic rule of thumb and uh is that a variable resistor like a gas gauge will have or a slot car controller will have two wires and a uh, a, a potentiometer will have three wires and that's why lots of times if you go buy a, a sensor for something it says on a potentiometer all right on a box and um, it says all of that on it so because it has three wires so anyway so i envisioned having two tps style pots in there that's a, that's a slang for potentiometer pots of course there were six wires all right so three so that makes a hundred percent beautiful math 
inventing my well i shouldn't quasi say inventing my science because that's how it was explained and taught when it first came out okay fine and i that was taught by the manufacturers and from what it wasn't taught like i was making up a science here so anyway so i i take it apart i only had to break one plastic clip to take it apart but then the spring shot out and everything i wasn't interested in putting it back together but uh, so i take it apart and I, I take the and I had to take the end off where the plug would go in because there was another plastic enclosure. There. I was able to pop it off. The Samuel, the cat, was helping me on the workbench in the garage because he helped me install it. And uh, I said, "What the heck? I'm looking." So <laughs> there's a circuit board in there. I had I expected to see a, a two basically two versions of a throttle position sensor, not you know apples to apples, but not apples to oranges. And uh, there's this complex circuit board, relatively complex circuit board. And then in the housing, it's a thick piece of plastic. On the other side of the housing, there's a plastic with a, with a uh, well, I guess it's a copper wiper that actually rubs on a thick piece of plastic. So it doesn't even, so this, 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 this wipe, what I'm calling a wiper, a, a wiper like on a, a gas tank sending unit uh, that touches it it doesn't touch it goes through so i have so basically in essence i know how it works and i that is not incorrect because i then i was it you know that maybe i'm wrong so i know how it works i do not know how it functions so that's like basically saying well i know how corn grows but i don't know the physiology of the plant of this or the you know how the root takes up the water i know it takes up water so this is uh, so for 2024 this is going to be one of my uh my missions because i cannot believe how complicated that sensor is that <laughs> i understand why it's got a circuit board and it's a complex circuit board so i took pictures of it i sent it to a couple of friends of mine so they could see it and if anybody wanted to see the picture of it all right of what it looks inside if you have the inclination then you could just email me at a hot rod farmer at farmmachinerydigest.com and i will email it to you and you could look at it and see because maybe there's somebody who's a very good electrical engineer that is uh is uh listening to this show by god's grace you could enlighten me but i do know of a man who's a good elect electrical onboard identification person so i think i'm going to send it to him if i don't get an answer and ask him if he will look at it and see see if he could give me some overview of how he thinks it works because i don't understand all they'd have to do is have a potent geometer and flip the wires on it have you know zero to five and then all you could do is flip the wires the other way the v ref and signal output reverse them the ground is still the ground and now it becomes five to zero so basically why i'm telling you this because we're going to talk about electricity again today when we eventually get there so this is like the uh, segue into it right the precursor and uh and and why i told you about my touching my microphone is that is that today's electronics are so is so are so sensitive to noise and i mean not noise somebody pounding on a drum electrical noise and do not ever discount that when you're doing something because look at this t look at this app i keep calling accelerator pump 
accelerated pedal position sensor. All right, and this is not so. So all the Ford haters go, oh, Ford stinks. <laughs> There's probably three companies in the world that make them, and they design those, and I guarantee you that the sensor for a Toyota, the sensor for a Ford, the sensor for a Chevy, for a Nissan, for a John Deere tractor, probably if you take it apart, looks almost the same, if not the same inside. So I do not understand why they have this complexity. And that but when I do find out, and I will go on a mission for it, it may take me three years, but I will go on a mission for it. And uh, <clears throat> I will find out, and I will share that with you. And why that's important, because as I said in the show last week, you don't want to buy a Mickey Mouse brand, all right? And I, when I said that, I did not even know yet that it was so complex inside. Uh, I believe I didn't when I recorded that show that it was so complex inside and um but when you have the have a have a complex circuit like that and that circuit becomes very susceptible to interference just like my microphone so me shutting off the fluorescent light and then putting it back on and the light being brighter so is it the bulb that's causing a lot of electrical electrical noise is it the ballast in there causing noise or what's going on or is why is my microphone picking that up when i touch it when i well i shouldn't say i never touched it before but i don't make a habit of touching it and why did it heal itself last week during the radio show and the only thing that i'm saying is i'm leading this up because i do have an agenda and the agenda is that with all of this garbage and i'm calling it garbage that they're putting in these farm tractors equipment sprayers trucks cars everything your washing machine is that you you, you're going to be experiencing potential problems that you've never ever ever had seen before now for instance also on the same tune right so i got my car all fixed and uh, like i said it's got you know almost a quarter of a million miles everything is fantastic with it i got a flat tire at the same time so i brought my friend steve to to fix it he did a good job fixing it i'm gonna get new tires in the spring but anyway so i said i'm just you know i just want to get this one fixed i don't want to buy new tires now the reason why i don't want to buy new tires because the snow tires mess me up my mess up my rotation plan because then I put two new tires in the back, and then I got seven, 8,000 miles in those tires over the winter. And then what happens, I take the snows off, and then I buy two more tires, and so it messes everything up. And so what I really could do is just buy four and then rotate those out. It messes it up. It makes it complicated. And these tires are not that bad. I mean, they're not unsafe, but uh, they're not down to the tread bars. So anyway, he fixes the tire, right, and I uh, put the put the tire on go for a ride everything is beautiful puts it back in the same spot in the rim everything is wonderful and then uh i'm going down route 80 and boom i get a low tire pressure warning light now i've had this before obviously and on my car it triggers on a ford it triggers it around 24 pounds of pressure so oh gosh as i just fixed the car now i put the flat fix the flat fix the accelerator pump i've got like 10 miles on it now i got a flat tire again but what was different was that the low pressure warning indicator that telltale right the um was flashing and usually when one of those telltales flash it it means that there's something that, that there's some sort of problem obviously when it comes on there's a problem but i mean a problem independent of the low tire pressure 
So I said, the thing is flashing. So I stop. I always carry a cheap tire pressure gauge. It's accurate, but it's a Chinese one. I have a good American made one in the garage that I use. But this is good enough for side of the road. And check all the tires, 35 pounds. <coughs> Beautiful. So I said, ah, thing. I said, is it the module going out? So basically, and then so I go home and I said, well, let me take this tire off. And I said, maybe the sensor went out, right? Let me take this t- tire off and I'll put another one because I have to t- took off the two front tires from the snow tires, right? So I put another one on and now I got the, 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 uh, <coughs> low tire product, pressure warning telltales on <coughs> with this one <coughs> excuse me so i say to myself this is crazy and so i took these tires off and put the snow tires on three weeks ago everything was fine <laughs> so so i go through the procedure to reset the memory of the uh, uh low tire pressure warning system and on a well on my ford i don't know if all fords the same a lot of vehicles you need a special tool to do this thank god on my car you don't need that so what happens is you what you what you basically do when it shows the complexity and like i said i don't talk to hear myself talk i want you to you know to recognize the complexity of these things these these systems today on anything because when you do have a problem it it, it, it that recognizing that complexity could help you to fix it or find out what's wrong because because years ago i mean you didn't you didn't have this complexity so what happens is that the procedure to go into a relearn mode everything is relearn right what the <laughs> relearn mode for my ford is that with the key off all right nothing on key off you tap the brake once and then then you turn your cycle key on and off three times one two three you leave it on the third time you tap the brake once again you do two more cycles and you leave it on the third time and within then the horn beeps boop and then you'll see that the the low pressure tire warning light is flashing and it takes about two minutes and then it recalibrate we resets itself relearns and then the horn goes beep and the light goes off so i said geez maybe i gotta relearn it i don't know i mean at this particular point i don't know what what's going on i'm grasping at straws so um so the thing is that i relearn it and then i uh the light is out and i start the car the light goes back on so i said okay well I can't believe that uh, that the th- accelerator pump pedal position sensor went bad, and now this is going bad, and <laughs> all within like three hours of one another. But hey, who knows? So I have the other tire. So the other tire was a little bit low on the air, so I fill it up with air, right, and and then I put it, take the other one off. It's all the right rear. Take the other one off. Put this one on, and then this one is fine. So the moral of the story here is that my tire pressure sensors are starting to go bad and they're not going bad from what I can understand as I understand it that they are that they have a battery in it like a a lithium-ion battery that's how it sends the signal and supposedly they have a reed switch in them 
and or, or some type of reed switch like that so when the car when the vehicle sits it doesn't send out a frequency and then it needs to start to roll so many revolutions before the, the reeds well, i'm going to call it a reed switch or the reed switch closes and then it turns the sensor on and sending out this signal and the my ford fiesta uses 315 megahertz frequency sensors so if you were to buy it and when i you know when i bought two of them was when i bought the snow ties i bought rims from ford and people say i got a map you get them cheaper i said no 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 i'm buying the ford sensors right and i'm not buying a tool to recalibrate them and everything so and when i bought the ford sensors i could take these tires in and off put them on put them on my head put them back on put snow and my wife's car also did the same thing never ever ever have a low tire pressure telltale false code because i have aftermarket sensors but keep that in mind so the reason why i'm telling you this is that i have heard of stories with low tire pressure warning sensors and it gets to the same thing with my my microphone making noise right my accelerator pedal position sensors i say accelerator pump and now my my tire pressure sensors is that i've heard i've heard well, i'm saying stories these are actual actual true stories they're not they're not voodoo making up stuff making up a science and that people have their cell phone charger in the vehicle and the cell phone charger is messing up the signal from the tire pressure sensors to the uh control unit that receives it the receiver it's like a radio receiver and mine is behind the dashboard supposedly all right i mean behind the glove box supposedly so keep that in mind that if you get a, a tire pressure warning signal then you get out and you check all the tires and the tires are good that you and, and the tire pressure is good and you're using uh, a cell phone charger or you're bluetoothing something or what have you or you have some other electronics in the vehicle all right it's very possible that that is falsely triggering it because if that cell phone charger happens to admit a th- something in my particular instance we use my number 315 megahertz 315 megahertz signal and it's skewing that signal all right or, or changing that signal then my then the unit in the car which was not the case with me the unit in the car or the tractor or whatever would assume that there's five tires on the car not four all right so it would mess it all up and it just shows the integration of what the problems that we're going to have today and why i'm so against autonomy for vehicles i'm so against autonomy for for farm equipment you know, that people think oh it's wonderful i could sit here and you could drive my drives my tractor and plants my corn and, and to me it's all politics and if you and and yes i'm not saying it does not work that you can't get it to work but look at but look at my accelerator look at an accelerator pump accelerator pedal position sensor i guess i'm not going to say it it's just my goes through all the same that's a complex circuit board so so you have a circuit board that starts the insulation starts to break down on or it gets a little hairline crack or something and then you and 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 that and you go under a high tension power wire it gets whacked with emi i mean you know all bets are off here with this complexity if somebody's cell phone charger could set off uh, or set off in the car the low tire pressure warning then they it could set off something something else so 
and now they have these newer vehicles with this wireless cell phone charging i think the world would be a better place and you probably go because you half you're probably listening to this podcast on a cell phone on a smartphone right so and i'm very appreciative of that i'm very very appreciative of it but if the world got rid of all of that stuff and we never had those smartphones and all that everything then i think we would be much better off and yes i would be willing to take a new career because here it is i'm a, I'm a hypocrite right because uh, here's i'm doing a podcast and a radio show to people listening to over a smartphone and i'm saying get rid of them throw them out bring back the rotary dial phone all right don't even go to a push button go back the rotary dial phone. for those younger people it had a wonderful sound when you dialed that rotary dial so so and then you say well you're gonna lose your career that's fine i'll go drive a dump truck and i'll farm and i'll go pump out septics or something all right because i think that this uh, these electronics are just getting totally 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 out of control and uh and and that's the complexity that i'm just coming across god knows what else there is that i have not been privy to so now that i did my complaining for 25 minutes Alrighty, <clears throat> so now uh let me just say what else oh i got a letter here i want to read because it has value has educational value and then i want to give a big old shout out to uh to john arts who is a longtime listener from uh british columbia canada he has a uh, beautiful operation there from the pictures i've seen and uh i and i always enjoy talking to john on the telephone we communicate probably uh, every couple of months. He's a busy man, got a family man, got a you know, very dynamic agricultural operation there with his family. And then we had the opportunity to talk the other day. And the reason why <clears throat> I'm giving John a shout out was because I want to publicly compliment him because he has become a wonderful wonderful diagnostician and his thought process is right on the money so uh i mean he's 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 talking i'm talking he's talking about he had he had a problem or has a problem with the cooling fan with the horton cooling fan on one of his john deere i think it was an 8r tractor i don't he told me and i wrote it down because i'm gonna see if i could find some information from and it's saying low speed and uh anyway we won't get into that that's a whole different discussion but the way i'm so proud of him from the way john looked at the circuit uh was thinking about the circuit thinking about how he felt it worked then did some testing because he says even though a friend of his has the john deere software that they're selling which is basically akin to what i was saying last week and 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 john arts mr arts not mr john deere that even i would guarantee you that the software that your friend bought all right is a wonderful software and gives them a lot of up a lot of entrance in that but i guarantee it's not the full thing guarantee it and that's why you're having trouble with this with this diagnostics on this fan that's only telling you a part of the story all right but anyway i may be wrong but i would guarantee it's not the whole the whole shebang as we used to say right so anyway but he's saying no i'm looking at the figuring out the algorithm and it's that i mean it just did my heart so good and then then he also said that he was able to glean 
and that and that it was that that the way he thought it worked was not the way it worked. So he actually said that they invented a science that <laughs> to determine how it worked. But that is so wonderful. So kudos to you, John. That is absolutely wonderful, and that's an, and you are on the road to becoming a wonderful, wonderful diagnostician, farmer diagnostician, and that's going to help you as your skill sets grow and i'm so proud of him and that this is an this is and you know as an educator not that i'm a formal educator <clears throat> but as an educator that or people or somebody who likes to teach people whatever little knowledge you have and the operative word in that sentence for me is little <laughs> so <laughs> it's knowledge that i could share is that uh when the student surpasses the teacher nothing could make a true educator and when i say a true educator you don't have to be have a teaching degree you could be educating somebody on your farm and they become a better farmer than you or a better dairyman than you or a better a better uh agronomist than you whatever it makes no difference the thing basically is is that when the teacher when the when the student surpasses the teacher nothing makes a true educator happier and i have to honestly say john you surpassed the teacher so i am so proud and happy uh i'm proud of you and i'm happy for you not that that makes it right i used to say in the east coast yeah that in the buck i'll get you in the subway but i think it's like four dollars now but i but your kudos to you and also to anybody else even though i have not heard from you if you're applying these these theories and 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 looking at things through those proper eyes then <clears throat> then that is 99% of the battle 99% of the battle all right and then and then you, if you can't get the data you can't get right or and it's 99% of the battle so so kudos john and i want to thank you so much for surpassing the educator surpassing the teacher so now i have a letter here before we get into my topic today which you don't even know what's about but it's going to be about about electrical demand we're back in electric electronics this week electrical demand on modern equipment and vehicles and it's not going to be a very lengthy subject but it's going to be something that you need to recognize and that's more lots of times it's more important to recognize something all right and because if you have a recognition of something it sets your thought process just like if you if you i'm gonna have to get into the weeds <clears throat> with this for a minute i'm sorry i mean i i don't i don't laugh at people but i i'm yeah but i'm laughing i, I, I whatever i'm not gonna make any excuses i remember years ago i had my my i didn't even have my I had my escort i used to go to like michigan and ohio maybe twice a month for business or go to go to dana engine controls for engineering center whatever so so anyway i used to love it so i got my escort and it was it was like a beautiful day it was like maybe june it was it was it was not, not even quite some early it's a beautiful day right and <clears throat> there was a ta truck stop about 15 miles east of the ohio border on i-80 and you know when you travel a route like back and forth to michigan or ohio you go to the route same time you know where to stop and i always and the reason why i'm wasting your time with this i pay cash I don't like credit. Not because I never use a credit card. Maybe once a year I'll use a credit card for ga- for fuel, for anything. Simply because whatever I didn't didn't take enough money. I don't know whatever I didn't. I said, oh geez, I forgot to take money. I only got fifty dollars with me. Whatever. So, 
but I and <clears throat> even in my day-to-day purchases what little they are i leave my all the purchasing to my wife and no disrespect but the women are good at that purchasing stuff right we'll leave it at that and then uh marital bliss and so i like to pay cash for everything you pay pay cash for everything first of all i don't like to owe anybody money and as ridiculous as it sounds it feels like i owe the credit card company money and i have two credit cards an american express and a, 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 a visa and I've had them for God knows more years than I hope to admit. All right. So anyway, but um, never pay any interest. Never paid any interest on. So anyway, so what happens is that uh, you know I like to pay. You know when it's when you pay cash, it's over. It's over. You make the transaction, it's over. So anyway, so I I like to stop at this TA to get gas. This is back. I'm talking about 20 years ago. Going out to uh, I think I was going to lime ohio but anyway whatever so there's these people next to me and they're from new york city they have new york license plates and you could tell that they're not i mean they were, they were i forgot what kind of car it was a pretty big car and there's a whole bunch of them in there and now mind you we're still in pennsylvania we're still in pennsylvania and uh i don't even know what this has to do with anything i'm telling you i'm sorry we're still in pennsylvania <laughs> so i'm talking to them you know you know me right i'm a talker right i like to talk to people so uh i said hey you're from new york where are you going so i said we're going to council bluffs iowa i said oh wow so i go to count i go through council bluffs a lot i stay in the hampton Inn right across and for those of you who are not familiar with that neck of the woods the missouri river separates iowa and nebraska and council bluffs for all intents and purposes is considered the omaha nebraska metropolitan area but it's it's it, it's not as built up as omaha as omaha so whenever i go out west i go that way i stay in council of bluffs in the hampton is literally right on the missouri river and it's a beautiful grain uh grain elevator there then i go to the grain so any whatever i'll get off another tangent literally it's right on the missouri river you and they have a river walk that you can walk so it's very nice so i'm very intimate with council bluffs well that area of council bluffs i'm not downtown never been downtown so anyway so so i said oh so you going what are you going out there for may ask they said to me this is back 20 years ago says we're going to a wedding says oh how nice right and you know i had gleaned there's a certain when you get into the city the urban areas and i know it's like that in new york and maybe it's like that in los angeles or someplace else or chicago there's a certain group of people that believe well in i'll use an east coast example that life ends well or civilization i should say does not exist once you come over to george washington bridge into new jersey uh because you really have to go i mean if you're going to get out of new york and go west you have to go over to in, across the hudson river and come into new jersey and to a lot of people they have a subliminal mindset that uh, that civilization ends i don't think what cavemen is, i have no i have no idea and there's a certain group of people that really never traveled more than 20 30 40 miles from their home base in new york city i have to remember new york city to five boroughs is quite large all right so i mean you go you could basically go from let's say the northern tip of the bronx to the to the the furthest part in staten island you're going 75 miles and you're not leaving new york city 75 road miles maybe not air miles 
And I had gleaned, because uh, I, I, I had a friend like that when I was in college. But anyway, he was from Brooklyn. So I had gleaned that these people had like zero experience uh, traveling right, by car. Maybe they flew to some place and whatever. So anyway, so I'm talking. So oh, that's nice, but it's going to be a nice ride. You take an 80 the whole way. And then, oh, yeah, bop, 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 bop. So this is probably about 10, 30, 11 o'clock on, we'll say, whatever, Tuesday morning or whatever day of the week it was, right? And so I said to him, oh, so when, when do you plan on getting there, right? So the guy says, oh, we have to, <laughs> I'm laughing. Like, I don't even know why I'm telling you the story, but uh, we have to be there for the rehearsal for the wedding by five o'clock this evening. I said, you have to be there to, for all intents and purposes, Nebraska, and you're still in Pennsylvania, you're not even in Ohio yet, and you have to be there, and they're nodding their head, oh yeah, that's when we have to be there, we have to be there for uh, for, for, for five o'clock, five o'clock in the evening. I said to him, look, I don't know what you were thinking, I'm saying, I told him respectfully, I said, there's no way, I said, you would be hard-pressed to get there for five o'clock this evening if you went to 20, 40 miles south of here, because that's more or less lined up with Pittsburgh itself, 40 miles south of here, went to Pittsburgh and went to the airport and caught a plane to get there for five o'clock this evening. So the thing is that it is so, so, <laughs> so funny. And I, I really don't even know why I told you that story. But anyway, so, but, uh, Let's move on from there because I'm embarrassed because I forgot to tell you that story. <clears throat> I forgot why I told you that story. But anyway, so here's a letter. And he says, and why is, what's going on here? The C-A-T-S, make a noise. Okay. So, so he said, and this is a listener, Dale Manny. Manny. I, I, I think it's called pronounced Manny or Manny. I probably, probably pronounce it wrong. But he's a long-time listener, good guy, uh, he has a product called the, the Hose End Chamber. If you want to look that up on the internet, that's a great product. He sent me a couple of years ago. I love them there for, so that the pressure doesn't build in an implement that you take off the tractor, the hydraulic pressure from just from the heating and cooling cycles of, uh, of being in the sun and then in the shade. So... Uh, you could check that out and it makes it much so so this way when you go to hook the implement back up is that you're, you're not fighting the hydraulic pressure and it and it allows the, the the piston the hydraulic piston to not be stressed so if you take let's like take the bucket off my tractor or a skid steer or something which i don't have all right then the thing is you may say i'm not going to put this implement back on for six months and it's sitting out there and it's 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 got pressure on the cylinder because of the uh the thermal, the thermal expansion of it, but it's called HEC hose end chamber. So do an internet search on it. Dale's a great guy. It's a very, very, uh, it's an ingenious invention uh, that he recognized the problem, and it's ingenious, and uh, it's, and he has great data there. So anyway, so he says to me, "Hi, Ray. It's been a while. Hope all is well with you." I catch an episode every now and then. Only every now and then. You got to make it your business day out to listen every week. All right. Then he puts in, he covers himself. He, he puts in parentheses, wish I had more time to catch them all. All right. All right. I give you a pass on that. All right. But uh, I have an idea I hope to run past you. 
since it's your area of expertise. I don't know about that. I have an older Gell skid loader with a Wisconsin VH4D gas engine. I use it primarily for snow removal, so it doesn't get a lot of runtime. And what bothers me is the oil picks up so much moisture. It always looks milky. It just never gets warm enough to evaporate the moisture out of the oil. The engine starts and runs great. I converted it to electronic ignition years ago. Could I hook one of those small 12-volt vacuum pumps to the crankcase vent to pull a slight vacuum in the crankcase? and maybe even put on a delay timer delay timer to allow it to run for a while after shutdown as well to try to, to try to dry it out or help get the moisture out of the crankcase i know you i know you talked about crankcase ventilation in the past regarding the adjustable pcv valve but all this engine has is a breather any thoughts right and merry christmas to you and your family even your pestering cat and he goes laugh out loud all right lol well first of all dale merry christmas to you and i'm gonna have to chastise you because my cats are a blessing yes they mess things up but that's but they are a blessing and i know you didn't mean anything by that i just figured i'd take the opportunity to give you a hard time all right so now the thing personally but i may be wrong is that i don't think that you would be able to pull enough vacuum on that crankcase for any length of time to be able to suck that moisture out so the 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 moisture i mean on an engine when the oil gets hot as you're aware it boils the moisture out so it takes the moisture and it boils it and then it then it evacuates it that way so i personally do not think that you'd be able to to get enough vacuum you'd not you'd be you would not be at my opinion to create a low enough pressure region to pull that moisture out all right the second thing is that you don't make any mention of how hot the engine is getting you just say it doesn't get warm enough so i'm wondering whether the engine is running colder the coolant temperature and that the coolant temperature is not getting hot enough and that's going because the coolant temperature influences the oil temperature uh the oil temperature doesn't really influence the oil the oil the coolant temperature i should say in most applications unless you have the engine coolant going through it the oil cooler but it will it will uh it will influence the the oil temperature so the thing is that i'm wondering whether and i know that you're very very proficient so i'm wondering whether it has a stuck open thermostat or partially stuck open thermostat and the engine is not getting hot enough i may be wrong okay but you're gonna have to put heat in the coolant first before you put heat in the oil all right so that is that excuse me and then the other thing it says uh i don't uh, like i said i i mean i've spoken to dale over the years over the telephone he's a knowledgeable man but how how quickly does it build that condensation and you're saying it says here uh that uh the oil picks up so much moisture are you seeing like the white the white scum in the oil filler cap and the breather and the dipstick or how are you determining that it's picking up so much moisture and i'm surprised that it is picking up so much moisture and you didn't make any mention of it eating any coolant all right so uh and i don't know whether this actually even is this may be an air called wisconsin so maybe everything i'm saying about is wrong 
So I'm con- kind of concerned with that, but that may be a false flag because if it's an air-cooled Wisconsin engine, then obviously that is not the issue. All right, but what I would what I would basically do is uh, if I were you, uh, so let's go under the assumption first that it's liquid-cooled, all right? I would monitor the engine coolant, the liquid temperature, all right? And then I would see what's going on with that. I don't think that you're going to be able to get it hot and get enough of a vacuum to make any difference. If the engine is not, is not getting hot enough, then I would say that's probably a good part of your problem, all right? Uh, a lot of small loader work like that, feeding cattle, feeding anything, doesn't put a lot of a load on the engine. So you may actually want to get a higher temperature thermostat if it is liquid cooled all right take the thermostat out and measure it most thermostats and equipment like that farm equipment are traditional thermostats and you could just measure the thermostat and if it's got a 180 and put a 195 in it i think you may be able to find a 200 now but you may not but uh, you should be able to at least find the 195 because the thermostat would be basically and they usually measure them in millimeters all right so i say whatever make up a number 52 millimeter thermostat so i would i would look at that i would say it only it only has a breather but i would make sure that that breather is open and functional all right and then i would like to see where the how you're truly determining it has so much moisture in it and if all of this is a hundred percent inconclusive it doesn't everything you say everything i told you does not apply then what i would probably do is either change the oil more often or i change the oil more often or i would put a oil heater in it an electric oil heater i think that's a better way to go about doing it the only thing is they spin the the electric meter like a helicopter blade like a block heater when you plug that in uh i know there's some stick on oil heaters that you could put on uh put right in the oil pan and then that it's probably not going to get it hot enough to boil it off but it's going to it's going to do a something uh the other thing that you could possibly do is uh, since you don't use it that much and it's simplistic but it works get some plastic bags like from the grocery i mean lunch bags or whatever and get a you know big good thick rubber band and then cover up the the dipstick the dipstick pipe even with the dipstick in and wrap it tight or electrical tape the breather any place that moisture could get into the crankcase uh cover that up and just wrap it up with the plastic bag and put a plastic bag over it like a vapor barrier and it's not going to stop it a hundred percent but it may stop it a lot so uh and that may it will it will definitely stop a lot so get back to me after you listen to this and let me know answers to those questions i should have looked up a vh for the gas engine uh but uh it just uh i i don't know i think this i think we're missing something here so uh oh he said the engine starts and runs great he converted to electronic ignition years ago so must be an old one if it had points so that's it but let me know and then we will go from there and we'll open up a dialogue all righty so now 47 minutes into the show this is a record the rest of the show is going to be short uh but what i wanted to talk about i'm going to just get a drink of water here if you don't mind thank you 
But what I wanted to talk about, like I say, it's really not going to be technical. It's it's, it's a FYI, which a lot of stuff that we do on the show is and is an FYI because it gives you a thought process, and then you know you say, hey, you know, you're not going to be able to get to Omaha, to Omaha by five o'clock this afternoon when you're in Pennsylvania. It's eleven o'clock in the morning, right? So. Uh, I wish I remembered why I told you that story. So forgive me for telling it to you. But anyway, so uh, the thing is that we have to recognize that it's so easy for especially for anybody, and it's going to happen to the younger people, God willing, as as they as they age and get older and have more 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 miles under their belt, and the world changes. It's so easy to to think that it's that things are the same old same old when they're really not and like i tell people is that just because you drive a car the same and i'm gonna use a car just because you drive a car the same way all right you put it in reverse you put it in drive it's manual transmission you shift it whatever press in the clutch do everything the same that subliminally in most in in most people and every i should say almost probably in everybody's mind a different to a different level that it's the same as it was years ago right i mean so uh and if and like i say if you're older if you grew up with a with a, a, a different type of vehicle and breaker points and and what have you then it's a whole different you know it's a whole different world but you're actually executing your driving the same way Right, you're putting in. If I get in my wife's Ford Escape, all right, which is not that new anymore. Now it's ten years old. But if I get in that vehicle, for example, and uh, put it in drive, and then uh, and and step on the gas, but I'm not stepping on the gas. I'm stepping on an accelerator pedal position sensor, and then the transmission is not shifting with a with a mechanical valve body. It's shifting with servos, and uh, the engine is doing this, and the engine is a two point five four cylinder normally aspirate but i recently found out it has reverse flow cooling so it means it puts the coolant in the cylinder at first instead of the block right so very little of little very little of my first cars and vehicles and farm equipment that i was associated with all right and learned on still applies and just like i was saying with my car with the heater doors that i think you know i knew was a blend air system but i think they had electric motors opening and closing the heater doors i thought they had vacuum opening and closing it so very little applies and that certainly holds true when it comes to the electrical side of farm equipment and vehicles and vehicles as i always say encompasses everything today all right is that is that time went on that that the industry has added more and more electronics or electrical controls so everything that was mechanical back your old 4020 john d and my old 9n ford right right uh that other than the the, the breaker points sort of uh, that, that didn't have a magneto had a distributor breaker points all right and the headlights uh there was in the starter motor there was nothing electrical right so basically in essence nothing hardly anything there and now things have changed and what i want to point out is the recognition of the amount how how current and you have to remember in electricity amperage the the electron flow is current how how hungry modern farm equipment is for electron flow for amperage and that 
becomes the problem because years ago everything was very forgiving because you had a small alternator i mean small i mean meaning the output was small um low all right the output was low maybe 25 30 40 amps so if you had a 50 amp alternator back 50 years oh my god they got a 50 amp alternator we can do a light up new york city with it all right and today they're coming from the factory vehicles with 200 amp alternators back then a 200 amp alternator was found on a lease in the, with a big old lease in the well on a fire truck right or an ambulance it wasn't on, a, on an economy car so the thing is that the same thing is happening with farm equipment farm track the same thing is happening with your atv your utv your irrigation pump is that so what i'm going to do is i'm just going to bring to light and that's all this is today is bring to light the idea of the current draw on modern vehicles and modern farm equipment and then why it is so important for you to recognize that and why the alternator output needs to be so high so you figure let's take a, a an engine all right and uh a fuel injected gasoline engine use that for example all right instead of a diesel t4 diesel makes no difference all right the thing is that if you look at those and if you look at a modern i'll pick up my ford fiesta all right you have electric fuel pump you have an ecu right you have an ecu you have a uh uh electric fuel injectors you have electric ignition system all right so and we have all of this not counting that we have electric motors now moving the blend their door not counting that we have a, a rear window defroster not counting that we have power windows not counting that we had remember i was telling you about how to go into the relearn procedure and the point that i missed i missed there is because i went off on a tangent god knows which one is that i you have to tap the brake with the key off so that means that was the important point that means that ecu is recognizing that the brake was tapped with the key off to evoke the, 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 the relearn process on the tire pressure sensors to me that's scary all right because this thing is never 100 percent asleep unless you take the battery out of it so very very frightening i mean not on ford's sense but on these new vehicles new equipment so you have all of this electronics now also the new vehicles the road vehicles have electro illuminescent dashboards so the dashboard is always lit up which is a to me is a danger thing because people end up riding without lights on because they're used to seeing the dashboard lit up whereas years ago when you had a regular dashboard that was an electro illuminescent god knows how much that is when it craps out pardon my french the thing is that you know versus a 194 light bulb all right so now you're lighting up this dashboard all the time all right you have these sound systems in there that are all drawing amperage and you have to realize that that when you work something harder all right then it's going to take more amperage so if you're running if you're driving down the road and like i said the gasoline diesel farm equipment makes no difference it's easier to make this analogy with a car all right you're driving down the road all right and the ignition demand is low that the injector opening time is short and the fuel the fuel flow demand is 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 low or relative i'm saying low in relative to full load that the amperage draw that that system is using is a lot less all right then you take it so i gotta pass this guy and you whack it to the floor 
Now you whack it to the floor, all right? And then what happens is that the ignition demand spikes and goes up. So that means that ignition coil, people don't think about, about the amperage draw of a modern ignition system. A lot of these ignition systems run 10, 12, 13, 14 amps under full load, all right? <clears throat> you put it to the floor, that electric fuel pump load goes up. All right, so so now whereas the fuel pump may have only been drawing five amps of farm making up numbers, now it's drawing twelve to fifteen amps. And the the amperage draw of the ECU goes up, the control unit, because now to open those injectors that quickly and that and we need more of an amperage draw. So now the let's say I'm gonna throw a number. Now the injectors are drawing ten amps or twelve amps versus versus when you were cruising nice, even if you're going eighty miles an hour, that they're only drawing two amps. So you're putting this all now you're doing this, then the air conditioner kicks in, right? The air conditioner clutch kicks in. So these new pieces of equipment and new vehicles are very, 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 very current amperage hungry that they need that they the amount of current that they draw as i was saying my wife's escape where something that the transmission used to shift well hydraulically on a hydraulic function with a valve body now it has electronic solenoids all right a solenoid draws amperage all right so they're very 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 sensitive to amperage draw and that is why the newer vehicles and equipment i want to just i don't want to just say one thing all right have a very large output alternator and they have a large capacity battery but i want you to keep in mind that the <clears throat> that the alternator and this is whether it's a combine or a cadillac i always make that up it's my my famous phrase right that that the alternator and the battery work hand in hand all right, so the thing is that that the battery is what's called a storage battery, all right? It doesn't make electricity, it stores it. So, so in theory, that the storage battery, like a bank account, should have enough current, enough amperage in it for you to start this piece of whatever to start this engine, whatever it's in, okay? So now, and then once the engine starts, in theory... And, I, and in actual practice, that the that the that the engine is the the vehicle, the piece of equipment's electrical demand is all supplied by the alternator. All right, and if it is not supplied by the alternator, then what it does is steals some from the battery. So the thing is that so you have this constant ebb and flow. So in essence, if you so I'm going to I'm going to pick on my wife. And I did a radio show to a lesser extent about this a few weeks ago. So my wife has a Ford Escape. So she's going to start her Escape, and she's going to start it, right? So you have the current draw from the cranking motor, right, to start the engine. Now you're running the fuel pump, you're running the injectors, you're running the ECU. She's got the radio on, the electroluminescent dashboard is on, all right, all this other garbage. She's got the the, the, the sink system with the telephone plugged in all of a she's going to put the air conditioner on or the heater or blow them on or whatever it makes me, right? And she goes five miles, six miles to town to where she goes grocery shopping, all right? So now... Now she's going down the road, Route 517 in this particular instance, which is a two-lane uh, county highway, 
with a 50, 45 to 50 mile an hour speed limit. And I kind of touched on this, so some of you listened to the radio show, you heard it with less explanation because of the time limit. So now her escape's got a lockup converter with a, with a six-speed automatic transmission. That got 10 speeds, all right? Six-speed, all right? So she goes down the road. She's happy as a lock. She's driving the hackets down, right? And so it goes one, two, three, shifts, boom, boom, and six gear locks up the converter. The speed limit is 45 miles an hour. That engine, that engine is probably turning over 12 to 1,400 RPMs. Let's say 1,500 for easy arithmetic, okay but now she took out of just like you know we talk it's we talk we 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 talk about in 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 agriculture right mining the soil for the nutrients right so she took out of the she took out of the battery so much amperage to start the engine right whatever that may be it's a it's a withdrawal like from a checking account so now she's going down the road and historically and i don't i don't know what the math is in this particular car historically usually an alternator is pulley the pulley ratios usually pulley to turn about two and a half to three times the crankshaft speed all right so if she's going so if a little four cylinders is is only 1500 rpm so the alternator is turning probably about 4500 rpm that's why i use that for easy arithmetic so i'll mess up in my head right and then spinning at 4500 rpm so now you could say well and that's and, that, and i don't know for sure i think it's a 130 amp alternator all right so that's a 130 amp alternator okay all right but it is probably not 130 amps at that speed so it may be only 100 amps it may be 90 amps it may, it may be close to i don't know so the thing basically is is that so now let's say she's doing all this and i'm going to make up arbitrary numbers let's say it's a it's a 130 amp alternator and at that rpm all right she's going and mind you she's only going for five miles right and the all five miles is not is not at 45 miles now because then she has to go into town and hit a traffic light and what have you so now and you have this ebb and flow from the battery to the alternator and the thing is that so what happens is that so let's say the alternator the way it's pulled and at that rpm when, when charlotte's going down the road with it it's putting out 100 amps so if it's putting out 100 amps all right and let's say and i'm i'm going to make up numbers i'm not going to burden you with so let's say it's taking 50 amps to run the car why is it taking 50 amps to run the car because she's got the the injectors are pulsing right the transmission solenoids are all active doing doing what they do the torque converter clutch solenoid is pulled in right because it's engaged all right she's got the air conditioner on or she's got the heater on now the cooling fan kicks on she's got the radio on she's got the ignition system so you could get up the i'm going to say the electric fuel pump is running right so uh now she puts down the power window or whatever so so you so forget so you could have let's say 50 amps at that particular point the alternator is only is producing 100 amps so you should have 50 amps in reserve in theory right 50 amps in reserve so now it could take that excess 50 amps that's like your overflow from your grain bins your excess 50 amps and start to charge the battery but it doesn't but the battery could only accept the rate of charge so quickly and this is becoming more apparent with electric vehicles <clears throat> if it's the only i'm gonna drink of water 
the only good thing about them is that people say fast charging, slow charging, this and that. All right, the battery you can't. It was just like you, I can't take a fire hose. Oh, you're thirsty here, buddy. Here's a fire hose. Let me stick it in your mouth. All right, here's some water for you. Hundred gallons a second. Right. The thing is that you can't. So the battery could only take so much charge so quickly. So even though there's fifty amps in reserve, that's if there is fifty amps in reserve. All right, because of all things, only putting out uh, putting out sixty amps at that particular time the, the driving cycle that she's only got 10 amps in reserve all right cushion there and then what happens is that the battery going take it take it so take it absorb it so much just like a field can only absorb so much rain depending upon the rate of rain all right and the thing is that but now charlotte comes into town and she stops at the stoplight all right and she's got a foot on a brake so now all these brake lights are illuminated in the back right and all this other stuff but now the alternator is not putting out 100 amps now it's only putting out 60 amps or maybe it's only putting out 50 amps all right so now it's only putting out 50 amps and the vehicle needs 50 amps to run then when she goes and moves the power window and i'm making this you know making this up as i go along moves the power window and let's say that draws five amps i don't know what it draws all right five amps right and the alternator is putting out 50 all right and then the then the uh, engine is using 50 so we got to balance it so where does the five amps come from it comes from the battery so what i want you to recognize specifically and i've said this before is that that just like a, a crop needs a certain period to grow needs so much rain so much heat units right with corn we look at and i'm sure they do with soybeans and other crops too but it doesn't seem to be as widely spoken about how many heat units it needs to 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 to, to germinate to emerge to go to a black label whatever so uh sort of thing basically is is that the same thing happens with your charging circuit and whereas years ago if you had an alternator that was putting out something and you had a battery that was willing to accept it all right the electrical load was so low the right that it that it was not problematic but if you have a piece of equipment let's say you're feeding cattle with it or like dale over here with his with his gel loader uh skid steer because i read his letter so i'm picking on him is that if, if that you know that if he's starting and stopping that a lot then the thing basically is is that 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 you you could be yes you're running off the alternator but you're not running it long enough to to take and put back what you took out of the battery to start it all right so there's that constant balance it's like base saturation on a soil test but this bait but this this constant balance this ebb and flow between what the alternator is putting out what the what the vehicle needs you you have you have a modern diesel right even though most modern tf4 diesels have what they call piezoelectric injectors all right which are a little bit less current draw but still you're running all this stuff electronically all right on this diesel engine all right unbeknownst even to you electric pulse width modulated egr valve pulse width modulated this electric fuel pumps lift pump this pump that pump all right all right high pressure pump uh you're doing all of this is that there is a lot of electrical loads so it's so it's not a bad idea for you on short duty cycle applications that every once in a while to hook them up 
to a battery charger that has a slow rate of charge and you will see that the batteries become weakened so just like a checking account you can say well i got so much twenty thousand in my checking account but you keep taking it out dwindling 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 down and that becomes very 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 apparent especially in the in the temperature extremes cold weather and extreme hot weather extreme hot weather is not as much of an issue as extreme cold weather but if you have a piece of equipment or a vehicle that you do a lot of short cycle trips with it the fact of the matter is excuse me that you are actually diminishing the capacity the storage capacity you're not you're not eliminating the storage capacity you're draining it down like draining down a checking account all right and then when it gets real cold and does and you say what's going on yeah i understand it you know the alternator is charging everything because we're under the assumption as it was years ago i think my old dodge dot had a 35 amp alternator all right so the thing is that so you and so you're under the assumption but you have to really really recognize that the fact of the matter is just like if you're gonna if if, if you're going to try to grow high yield whatever we'll say corn i always use corn because i'm a corn farmer right and you want to get 500 bushels per acre then you have one of the things you have to do is fertilize for 500 bushels per acre you can't fertilize like you did for 100 bushels per acre and expect to get 500 bushels per acre all right so the thing maybe you get 110 bushels but you have to fertilize for five bushels per acre so the thing basically is is that you have to recognize that the amperage drawer the current drawer on today's equipment and vehicles is exponentially higher than it was even a few years ago and that is why the alternator output is higher and the batteries are different a lot of them are using absorbent glass matte batteries and things but still that battery is like a checking account that has to be recharged all right and if you're doing a lot of low speed work we have these engines that are down they down speed these engines like my wife's escape all right she's going down a highway 45 50 miles an hour at the hackett's down six speed lockup converted motors turning that engine is turning 12 or 1300 rpm and and this is very very apparent when you have so if you have that that metaphorical checking account full all right then you could say well, i don't care if these two checks cross in the mail because i got a deposit going in and i got to withdraw because i have enough of a buffer there but if you keep letting that checking account drop down and that's what happens with the battery it keeps dropping down like like making withdrawals from your checking account until one day in the extreme cold it gives up the ghost but the most important thing and i haven't seen anybody i might say it's out there but people talk about there's different companies add this you know don't buy a new planter all right add all of this to your old planter which is fantastic no no arguments right there and if your old planter was not big enough and it ran off of the tractor and you had some a little bit of electronics on it all right then you have to make darn sure that you have enough battery capacity and usually with tractors you have two or three batteries and you know in 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 in, <clears throat> in parallel so that you uh so that you could have that amperage draw but you have to make sure that alternator output is is going to be sufficient so just like before i close if you were to buy invest in a backup generator a portable generator they tell you 
all right, and they give you a roll of thumb, whether it's Generac, Briggs & Stratton, or what's the other companies, or Champion, whatever, a whole bunch of companies. They say this is more or less what each house draws, all right? Your refrigerator usually draws so much. Your well pump draws so much, right? And they say to you, add it up, all right, add it up, and then find out what your wattage draw will be because a generator is rated in wattage because of Ohm's law, volts times amps is watts. All right, so the thing is, and then figure and get a generator that size that could run what you want it to run. But I do not see, or I have not heard, so that doesn't mean it does not exist. The that the agricultural equipment industry is saying, well, if you want to add <clears throat> this technology to your planter, all right, and you're not going to run an alternator on your planter, even if you're running an alternator on your planter, right, and you're adding more electronics, can that alternator be up to the snuff of of feeding that electronics without going to the to the to the battery to take it out? So the thing is that you want to be able to have that, uh, like like I said, like on on soil test that base saturation that balance you want to be able to yeah it's fine to steal some from the battery every once in a while as long as you have enough output and opportunity to put it back nothing wrong with that right so so just like say well i borrowed i borrowed some money from this account my account over here all right to pay this bill then as soon as i get paid for that i'm going to put that back you know what i'm saying and uh and the thing is that uh, we all do that in business, right? We jockey the money around, all right? And that's and, and almost everybody in business does that, if not everybody. But then you say, I got to put that back. So when I get so, so I mean, I do that. So it's okay, fine. So uh, I'll take the money. So I'll take the money from the farm. Then I'll use it to pay this because I'm waiting to get paid because everything I come, everything that I do comes takes a year and a day to get paid on. And so okay, so I'm making notes. Okay, I owe, I owe farm, I owe the farm three thousand dollars. And then I'm like, so that's right, I get seven thousand coming in. So, so that's like the battery saying, well, the I got more, I got the alternates, I got more. Don't worry about it. I just need three thousand today. All right. So then I take it, and when that check comes in, I say, okay, fine. I go put give the farm three thousand back. All right, because I borrowed three thousand for the farm so it's that constant back and forth ebb and flow and it needs to be recognized and it needs to be for you need to be able to if you're modifying your farm equipment you're putting more controls on it then you need to find out whether you have enough alternator capacity and you have enough storage battery capacity meaning that the that the amperage storage of that battery can run all of that and once you find that sweet spot like in base saturation on a soil sample you will find that in base saturation we talk about nutrient tie-up right well you don't want electron tie-up you don't want it always running off the battery and you want it always running off the alternator you want to have that balance right there and if you have a short cycle short cycle you when i mean short cycle in this particular instance let's say you're feeding cattle and the rpm never with this loader or this tractor never gets over 800 rpm or a thousand rpm and you say to yourself well, i really don't know when that alternator because don't just look at the maximum output of the alternator you have to realize at what rpm and if you have a that's why i always said is that it's nice to have but if you don't have it it's not don't run out and buy one if you have no need for it is to be able to have a load tester with a carbon pile that you don't use a true carbon pile anymore today and say okay what i'm going to basically do is i'm going to take this loader that i feed cattle with and i usually run at 1800 rpm 
And then what I'm going to basically do is I'm going to measure, I'm going to measure, I'm going to put 1800 RPM, I'm going to put this carbon pile on it, this load tester, and I'm going to see what is this alternator putting out at 1800 RPM. And then you could use your clamp probe, all right, and see without opening up the circuit and see what, so well, I usually run this loader at 1800 RPM, I have the air conditioner on the stereo, I got the radio with that, with that yo-yo from New Jersey talking, I got the headlights on, I got the wipers, and see what the drawer is. You don't need to nail this down like you're dropping a missile down a down a bomb down a smokestack you need to get close so if your alternator in the rpm range that you run that piece of equipment is putting out 200 amps and you're only taking you're only using 100 amps of it you're golden buddy you're golden because the voltage regulator will control that the battery will be full the battery will last longer it'll be your reserve in case the alternator belt breaks don't have to be winter all right and then get you back to the farm shop and then if it and if it and if it doesn't and and if it's not then you know that every once in a while whatever your sequence is that you say i'm going to put this thing overnight on a battery charger give it three four five amps whatever the battery charger wants to give it you're not going to zap it with 40 amps all right you're not going to cook it all right and the thing is that and then overnight or for a day or so and let it charge back up to give you that reserve it's like putting the money back in that checking account all right so i went very very long with 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 probably worthless stories for you and i recognize that and i apologize for that but the take-home message here is that you cannot get to nebraska from pennsylvania in six hours by car (laughs) okay so you have a blessed blessed day and i thank you so much for listening and any questions or any concerns please feel free to reach out to me and i will uh i will talk to you next week god willing you have a blessed blessed week and be safe